At first, it was just one sheep per day. But as the deadly dragon grew more powerful, he demanded more and more. Soon it was the people of Silene themselves, so intense was his insatiable hunger, his desperate desire for more and more. Until, until one day a courageous knight named George agrees to confront the dragon. After a long and bloody battle, George finally defeats the cruel beast, saves the princess, and rescues the town. With what weapon did George slay the dragon? A spear? A lance? A sword? Maybe, just maybe, the dragon was slain by love. Welcome to Slain by Love, your weekly sermon podcast from the pulpit of St. George's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. In the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Y'all, please be seated and good morning. November 14, 1940. It was a fateful and traumatic night in Coventry, England, a village whose origins go all the way back to the 8th century, this village that grew up around a convent of nuns who had put down roots there. Over time, the village would become uh, famous. It would become famous for its wool textiles, but also its magnificent cathedral. November 14, 1940, it was a Thursday night in the heart of the Battle of Britain. By this time, Hitler's Luftwaffe had been bombing the island nation for weeks. The bombs began to fall. They began to pelt and pummel the cathedral at about 7.45 p.m., according to the church's website. That website also says this, quote, there had been direct hits on the roof of the chancel, chapel, nave, and south aisle. The four men of the cathedral guard did their best to deal with the attack while waiting for the fire brigade. Can you imagine? If you look at pictures uh, from the day after the bombing, it breaks your heart. What had previously been a magnificent structure was now reduced to a heap of rubble, debris, and mangled iron. It reminds me of Psalm 104, a psalm about the temple and its destruction. Verse 14 of that psalm says, your servants love her very rubble and are moved to pity even for her dust. Speaking of rubble and dust, this past week, several servant leaders of this parish spent several hours in this nave down on their knees cleaning. They were not so much sweeping up rubble, nor, in fact, were they precisely trying to take care of the dust problem, although maybe a little bit of that. No, not so much rubble. More like shards. Shards of glass which had fallen from these beautiful east windows, shattered and broken by hailstones, which had fallen from the sky. It might not be Coventry Cathedral in 1940, but it is nevertheless sad, 
disturbing and deeply unsettling. The hail came down and then brought the glass down. Speaking of things that have come down, we hear in our epistle lesson this morning from Philippians 2 about something that has come down, something or better, someone who came down. Let this same mind be among you, St. Paul says this morning, that was in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus who, quote, though he was in the, this is in your service leaflet, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be grasped or clutched or held onto, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness and being found in human form, he humbled himself. and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Friends, in these haunting lines from the epistle lesson this morning, we can sense a kind of downward motion. Here, Jesus is not high and lofty. He's not uh, imagined as a great king enthroned on high. No, he's humble. He's empty. He's impoverished. He's enslaved. Wow. This is what Henry Nouwen describes as a meditation on downward mobility. While those hailstones were brought down by gravitational pull, Jesus was brought down by love. While the windows were punctured by hail, Jesus was punctured by Roman nails and a Roman spear. And for those disciples, it was tragic. They felt like their lives had become a heap of rubble. Their best friend, their mentor, Jesus, Jesus, who, by the way, was, in fact, the true temple of God, John chapter 2, when he was lowered from the cross, when his body was lowered from the cross, that body was a desolate heap, not of mangled iron, but of mutilated flesh. Harrowing. And yet, this is not the end. Gut-wrenching, and yet... The darkness of night does not last forever. Traumatic, and yet these wounds would eventually, these wounds would eventually be transfigured into something beautiful. You know why? Because what goes down must come up. Let me repeat that. What goes down must necessarily come up. You see, the world tells us that what goes up must come down, the law of gravity. But the gospel tells us that what goes down must come up. Unless a seed falls into the ground, Jesus says somewhere else, it cannot spring up as new life. What goes down must come up, not the law of gravity, but the law 
of the gospel. In other words, this story, this story that Paul is narrating in Philippians 2 about Jesus and the cross, this story, it's not a tragedy. It's not a tragedy. Therefore, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that's above every name, verse 9 of our Philippians lesson this morning. It does not, it does not end up as a heap, a mangled heap of flesh. It ends up, this story that Paul is telling, with a glorious resurrection body. Hmm. Well, what, what about Coventry Cathedral? Does its story end in a tragedy? For the resident priest at the time, Father Richard Howard, how could it have been anything else? Hundreds of people in Coventry died that night. And the very symbol of their hope and their love, that cathedral decimated. The website of the cathedral says this, quote, Reverend Howard is... Per so was it a tragedy? That's the question. It was the story of... It was bombed, right? The, the living daylights were bombed out of it. It was reduced to a heap of stone, rubble, and iron. Was it a tragedy? Here's what the website says, quote, Reverend Howard is particularly remembered for advocating forgiveness and reconciliation. Having the words, Father, forgive, those two words, the words, Father, forgive, inscribed in the ruined chancel of the cathedral right behind the altar, the two words, Father, forgive, instead of the words that Jesus said from the cross, Father, forgive them, no, just Father, forgive, two words, to remind us that we all need forgiveness, not just those who've harmed us. And, for his, and he's also remembered, Father Howard is, he's also remembered for his determination to rebuild a cathedral which would speak of Christ's resurrection as the old one had mirrored his crucifixion, close quote, question for you this morning. Can you see how Father Howard here in this story, can you see how he's practicing downward mobility? What's his attitude about those Nazis? Is it one of superiority? Is it one of moral indignation at the violent atrocity they committed? I mean, that seems very reasonable. Is that what it is? No, it's not. Father, forgive, he inscribed right behind the altar. We need forgiveness, he was saying. We need forgiveness every bit as much as that little kid back there. Yeah, just kidding. <laughs> we need forgiveness every bit as much as those Nazis do and as much as the bad guys do and as much as our enemies do. That, dear friends, that is downward mobility. Can you see that? That's not an attitude of superiority. That is downward mobility. It's the opposite of a moral uppityness that takes the moral high ground, and that is truly radical. I don't know about you, but I'm desperately interested in a Christianity that's truly radical, and I love that word radical. Uh, it comes from a Latin word that means, who knows? Do you know? Root. Root. The Latin word for root is radix, R-A-D-I-X. It means root. And I love that word radical. Father Howard's humility, his willingness to look at his own life and not cast stones at the other, that 
was radical. And that humility is the root that went down. The root that went down. That root that went down, which is also the same root that sprang up. Because what goes down must come up. That root of humility which Father Howard put down is the same root which sprang up into something glorious and beautiful. Because Howard went down, you see, something glorious came up. What is it that came up? So many things. I hope you're seeing that the story, I hope you're beginning to see that the story of Coventry Cathedral is not a tragedy. What is the beautiful thing that sprouted up? So many things, but one example is the community of the Cross of Nails, or CCN. CCN is a network of hundreds of people across the globe who commit themselves to three principles, healing the wounds of history, celebrating diversity and learning to live with difference, building a culture of justice and peace. CCN partners with dozens of organizations around the world. They have hundreds of members around the world. But y'all, guess what country has the most partners? Guess which country in the entire world has the most members? You guessed it, Germany. The very ones who dropped the bomb. You see, that is glorious. That is radical. That is beautiful. And guess what, dear friends? It is no different with us here at St. George's. This broken glass behind me, it is heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking this time and disturbing just like it was last time. It's heartbreaking because it was done by hail just like the time before when it was done by some unhoused friends. Yes, but as for Christ on the cross, as for Coventry Cathedral, so also for us. What goes down must come up. What glory will emerge from this rubble? What beauty from these shards? We do not yet know, but we do know why. The law of the gospel, what goes down must come up. In the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Thanks for joining us at the pulpit of St. George's Austin, where the love of God in Christ slays our enemies, our fears, our guilt, our worries. How are they slain? Only by love. Special thanks to the good folks of St. George's and especially to that masterful media guru, Liam Dolan Henderson. See you next week. Peace and be well.